All right. Sam's got her candy. I do. She's ready to roll. She said water and candy. I hope nobody has a phobia. What is it called? Misophobia. When you hear people chewing and it makes oh. you angry. Oh, yeah. Because I have that myself. <laughs> I'm making myself very angry where I can hear myself <laughs> chewing right now. <laughs> that would be good therapy, right? Like, or so to sit in this room and chew. Yeah. Yeah. With, with this type of mm-hmm. feedback loops, they can hear themselves. Right. That would be terrible. You guys were already chatting downstairs, I heard. We were. Um, what were you guys talking about? Probably nothing, right? <laughs> um, Just like the secret, you know, s- just stuff from childhood, the weird stuff you did. I was just. Oh, my God. Your stories <laughs> of all the embarrassing things that you've ever done. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, I, I guess people should probably know that you are Sam since we haven't. We're re-recording oh the yeah. pod that we did before. So you're my sis. I'm your bro. Mm-hmm. I'm your little bro. You're my big sis. Only in the sense of age. Yes, indeed. Yes. True, true. I'm tall. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the hobbit of the family. Yeah. So cute. It it was cute that you were always attracted to hobbits. That You're not short and fat. (laughs) Attracted to hobbits and you are the most in stature like them. It's true. That's why my nickname in junior high was Samwise. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. I have more than one photo dressing up as a hobbit for the midnight showing. Your feet and all. <laughs> I do shave them though, so don't worry. <laughs> That's the opposite of what you want to do. Don't That's let those, those puppies grow out. I'm trying to hide it. I'm ashamed. Yeah. Uh, so, what stories did you share with Steph? I'm just joking. I didn't. Oh, that's too bad. I'm talking about you at all. I, I love, I'm just, I'm a, I love attention. I do have a cute I love one. stories about me. So, oh, I a cute do a story. Cute one about you. Um, I was probably, we were in the Pleasant Grove house, so I was probably six, so that would make you like three. Maybe I was like seven and you're four-ish. And I got these, probably from Mervyn's, um, these pink cowgirl boots for my birthday Mm -hmm. that had like tassels and glitter, and I was really excited. So I pulled one out. I know where this is going. And I was so excited. (laughs) I was like, oh, and then I pulled the other one out, and you went, oh, there's two of them. <laughs> it was so cute. Mm. So, yeah. Yep. Well, that's much funnier and cuter than I thought. I thought it was it just is. ending with me just wearing them and then no, becoming no. mine. No, we do have a lot of pictures of you in dresses and pigtails, though. So. Of course. Yeah. What else do you do to your younger brother? Yeah. With two older sisters, it's going to happen. Yeah. Definitely yeah. put my brother in dance costumes and all sorts of sorts of stuff oh yeah nonsense well open uh open format here but two things i would love to talk about are uh finding lola which i'd love for you to intro sam uh what that's all about and then uh that podcast as well that we've all listened to that's really good that maybe steph you can give an intro to that once we're ready to chat about that sure yeah i, I think you're the one who introed you intro me to that certainly and i guess I guess we can get into that once we're ready to talk through that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought our therapist said that to you. So like yesterday I was like, yeah, this podcast that you gave to <laughs> Stephanie and she's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, that sounds interesting. What is it? Cause I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, yeah. I'll no, text that you. was just, that was a miscommunication between Dave and I. Uh, yes, uh, yes, so. Those so. never happened. That was the first time <laughs> <laughs> ever. Um, yeah. So finding Lola, um, I have been going to a really awesome therapist the last month or two 
um, I've had a few others in the last year or so, the last couple of years. Uh, this one in particular, we really click and she has been able to kind of dig deeper, which I need for sure. Um, I'm very aware of my trauma, very aware of things that I can do to try to process it, but I needed somebody who could push further. Um, so working with her has been great, and she does do the EDMR, which you guys introed in your last podcast. Wait, wait, EMDR. EMDR. Unless you're gaslighting no, me. EMDR. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and I even told Kevin, my husband, like, it's like EM doctor. So I should remember it, but I... <sighs> I just have to remember eye movement, eye movement, eye movement doctor. Yes, (laughs) she's an eye movement doctor. Okay. Um, So that has helped kind of pinpoint some emotions or some memories and and dig a little deeper. So at at one point, um, well, so I had a yellow lab that I had for she was almost fourteen, and she passed away this last January, a week before I had my son. Um, So I'm hoping their souls kind of. Yeah. crossed each other as they came and went but um she was uh my sweetheart she was my first dog and I had her everywhere all the time my constant companion I do have another dog scout who's a schnauzer and she's about nine years old and they were little companions as well but Lola I've had her since I left high school pretty much <clears throat> so we were focusing on uh a difficult memory for me at one where I felt, um, very rejected and, uh, kind of just a dark time. Um, and while thinking about this memory, Lola had come up Mm. and I I brought that up. I told her, you know, what are you feeling or what are you thinking? And I said, well, my dog came up and, and she kind of comforted me in this moment. And so we, she thought that was interesting, so we kind of started thinking about this idea of of Lola coming up and, and being a comfort, but um, she also asks where in your body you feel things. Uh, for me, it kept coming up that I had this pit in my stomach, mm. um, so anytime, you know, these traumatic memories were coming up with my ex of, you know, being somewhere I felt unsafe, doing something I didn't want to do, um, you know, feeling unloved, rejected, replaceable, um, grief, you know, uh, I just had this pit in my stomach and it, it took a couple of sessions and some time for me thinking about this of Lola coming up and this pit in my stomach. And we would kind of identified that it, you know, I felt like this pit in my stomach was my intuition. Cause you know, you always say like, Oh, well, just listen to your gut or what is your gut telling you? And through all of these traumatic experiences, I had, stopped listening to my intuition and my gut. I just, I had to, that was my survival of, you know, if I speak up, if I say something, I'm going to get backlash. I'm going to get reprimanded. I'm, you know, it's going to make the the day worse. So just, you know, ignore it, do whatever it is that I need to do to get through this. Um, and with that, I, I've been having a lot of physical issues with my GI system too in my gut and so I kind of felt like you know there's definitely something here that's been disconnected that I've ignored I have mistreated I have that needs some love it needs Mm. some attention it's trying to get that and that's what's coming up in all of this um and so with that I was thinking about 
Lola, she was on my mind and I'm thinking about my gut, my intuition. And I thought, well, maybe I can connect better with my gut if I give it a name. And so I named it Lola because <laughs> I thought, you know, if I name it something that I love and that I miss and that um, I need to reconnect with or I, I wish I could reconnect with, then maybe it'll be easier for me to give it that love and give it that attention. And when it speaks up, I'm thinking of, you know, something that I love very much and, and respect and, and I'll give it that. So when it, when it t- is talking to me, I'm listening this time and I'm, yeah. I'm acting on it instead of just, no, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm paying attention. So she loved that. And I've since then, you know, referred to my intuition or my gut as Lola. Um, but as our sessions have evolved and as, you know, we've talked a lot, David, um, we've kind of discussed, you know, happiness in life and, and making, you know, looking for happiness. And and I had heard a, a quote from a, a show I was watching where um, he basically said, you know, I just, I found that I was looking for purpose, not achievement. And with my ex, achievement was where I got the most positive reinforcement. Um, so that's what I've worked for for so long and, and, and worked so hard for. And I tied my value to my achievement, you know, how much money I made or my position title um, or things, you know, that I had. And um, having my son, especially in in January, he's brought me to be much more present and enjoy those little moments and just slow down a bit um, and just be really grateful for what I do have. And... um, so that's kind of where uh, finding Lola came because Lola started to represent happiness and purpose. Mm-hmm. And how do I find that? You know, I'm trying to find this connection with my intuition and myself again. So how do I also find happiness and purpose and joy in life? Um, so that kind of sparked into wanting to start like a blogger website and, and do videos and different things of sharing my process with this of, both coming from, you know, high demand religion growing up and a traumatic experience with my ex for 13 years, um, now being in a very safe, loving relationship, lots of supportive family, living in a beautiful place that I love, having my son, which is something I've wanted for a long time. Um, so, you know, now that I, I am in this place, um, I'm able to work with the therapist and, and go through this process of finding what that purpose is and finding what happiness is for me versus just focusing on, you know, that achievement in life. So that's my finding Lola. Thank you for sharing that. I'll I'll be honest. I I felt a lot more this time around of talking through it. I I can tell that, I don't know whether it was your therapy yesterday or (laughs) your headspace today, just I, I felt such a connection to what you were talking about there and I shared this <clears throat> when we met before, but I think that's something probably everybody has experienced the more that I think about it, which is just distrusting your gut and your intuition and your your natural internal compass. And probably in a lot of cases, you maybe some people more than others sh- shouldn't trust their gut and their intuition. <laughs> if it's telling you to do bad things, yeah. you know, don't do those things, please. Um, but I I don't know. I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff of um, psychologists who like just talk about how much your brain can process subconsciously even that you you're not aware of. And it's why you'll come to conscious like 
you'll, you'll surprise yourself by your conscious, you know, acknowledgements of like, whoa, I just noticed this thing, but it would have taken me paying attention for the last five minutes to be able to, you know, notice that and I haven't been paying attention while your subconscious was, you know, it was picking up on all these little cues. Like this person seems like they're about to explode and get really angry. And you're like, how do I know that? You know? And then, you know, you pay more attention all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that's what it is. And, but <clears throat> just as far as I love how you combined talking about like learning to trust your gut again with also finding purpose and happiness because there's just too many things that distract us from uh, what what I keep talking about is just so important, which is actually being happy. You know, there's a lot of things that can just get in the way and um, other things that might make other people happy that they want to sell you on. This will make you happy too. Or maybe nobody's even selling you. It's just, I don't know, social media or, you know, any form of intake that is coming in that is like, this is how you be happy, um, whether they're packaging it that explicitly or not. And it's just so easy to be like, I'm unhappy in this moment. Maybe I need this thing to make me happy instead of actually just sitting and doing that work. And it's been amazing hearing the experience since you've had Frankie, your son, and what that's done for you of just like slowing down and like paying attention because he requires that to every little moment with him. And you're like, oh, wow, like actually I'm, I'm pretty happy right here. And then you pull away and you start like, you know, looking at some of the other stuff that your day to day, you know, uh, was consumed with before you had Frankie and all of a sudden you're depressed or not as happy. And it's like, oh, it's because all this other nonsense and bullshit is actually distracting me from, you know, what really makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's <clears throat> changed my perspective quite a bit, um, and kind of helped push me onto that trajectory of, you know, purpose being so much more important because he, I mean, he doesn't, doesn't know my title at work and he doesn't know how much I make and yeah. when I put him in the car he doesn't know that it's a 2015 Honda Pilot that's you know a little beat up and has no leather seat like he just <laughs> he doesn't know and he doesn't care he's there for me to make him giggle and to you know blow raspberries on his chubby little legs <laughs> and you know feed him and let him get messy and 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 play so um you're talking about Frankie not Kevin your husband right yeah, they, yeah. I mean okay. they both obviously but both yeah love that. Okay. good to know but yeah, so he's been great to kind of um, push me onto that to realize that that's, you know, imp that it's possible. I think it's something that I've wanted and I was working for, but I, I there was something I couldn't access. And he, he really opened that access line for me. Wow. Will you pull this just a little bit closer? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steph, I wanted to ask you, I, I, I know that, you know, the podcast that we released earlier this week, you talk about some stuff that's related to this, but just like you also learn to not react with your authentic self and suppress it so that you, the moment could just pass and you could, you know, get through with it as opposed to speaking your truth and, you know, opening up about how you feel about how you're being treated or how the situation is going, uh, which over time, I think similar to what Sam has been talking about and I've been talking about is like, it trains you to not be like, my gut is what is going to direct me and guide me in how to handle this moment. Um, or, or I guess maybe your gut is what's guiding you, but your gut is telling you like, just shut down, you know, and don't, don't speak up or be the loud person in the room or, you know, be the person to disagree with everybody else because you genuinely feel like, you know, what's going on here isn't okay. And I just, I don't know if you feel a connection to that or have thought about it from that angle. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's actually not exactly from, my experience, the way that you just described it. I think that my gut always knows mm. what is correct for me and I've learned to override it um, for the sake of following like whatever 
um, life path was put in front of me, whatever I quote unquote should do or shouldn't do. Um, cause someone else told me that that was the, the way that you are supposed to live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been very good at like, you know, putting myself into boxes that will make me appear as like a, someone that's acceptable to the people around me. So especially I feel like growing up Mormon also really enhanced all of this as well. Cause I think that even as a kid stuff with the church didn't ever really quite sit right with me, but I also like could never pinpoint why. So I was constantly having to convince myself that I believed or convince myself of, um, you know, that I fit in or, or suppress maybe doubts that I had just for the sake of like, I can't get out of going to church because my parents are going to make me go and I can't express a lot of these things out loud because I might get rejected by my friends or family. Um, no one's probably going to listen to me. So you just kind of learn to shut all of that down. And I think that that it creates a lot of internal conflict because you're constantly fighting with yourself and eventually feel like I got to the point, like got to the point where I couldn't trust the way that I felt about Mm -hmm. things. Like was constantly questioning like my initial reaction to something and then go through this whole convoluted cycle of fighting with myself until I reached that same conclusion in the end and realized, Oh, this was correct for me, whatever it was, you know? Yeah. How do you, how do you go about, I mean, you're kind of going through this right now, Sam, and a little bit you as well, I'm sure stuff of how do you retrain yourself so that you can trust your gut? Cause I just, I feel like if you really try to flip it on its head and go from, you know, I'm, I'm go- going with whatever the safest route is in this situation, in this moment to no, I'm going to make, the more potentially challenging path forward of listening to my gut, even if it means a little bit of contention or something with whoever else is in the room. How do you go about retraining yourself to listen to that, but in a way that doesn't <laughs> make you just a whirlwind, you know, and, and people around you kind of like our, you know, my mom, Sam, you and I, our mom, when she left the church, I remember, you know, my dad just unbelievably excited. Um, she stopped wearing garments too much detail, but, um, he was excited <laughs> about that real underwear. <laughs> um, sorry, mom and dad. Ew. Um, <clears throat> but something that he, he talked about regularly afterwards is like, I was not prepared for her to feel, have so many strong opinions and express them so openly because, you know, growing up in the church and in that culture, like she learned to just, you know, it's a man's house and like just all that bullshit. And we don't need to get into that. But um, that was a challenge, and I think that they navigated it pretty smoothly. Um, I think that our mom understood that, like, this was new for, you know, dad, and he he wasn't just a misogynist asshole because, like, he was caught off guard by her expressing strong opinions on things now, And um, but it was a challenge, and so I don't know if you've thought about that and just, like, how do I go about, you know, retraining my gut and listening to that more? I mean, I think it's it's an adjustment, just like their relationship, how to go through an adjustment period, Um, because it's, it's not even big things. Like I was telling my therapist after we had talked initially talked about my gut, um, I was supposed to have like a, a doctor's appointment on this Monday and like by Friday they hadn't called to confirm or send an email or text or anything to confirm. 
And like subconsciously, I kind of knew like, mm, that's weird. Like everybody, you know, sends a confirmation, but uh, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I'm busy. You know, I got, you know, I got a kid the weekends here. So Monday morning rolls around and, it, and it's a 25 minute drive to the office and back, you know, so um, I'm taking time off of work to go do this, you know, it, it, all of that. So Monday comes and, and even in the morning I thought, Oh, I know they have two locations. I always go to one, but I know they mentioned that she's mostly moving to this other one. Maybe I should call and just mm -hmm. verify. And then I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's at this one again, just like ignoring my gut of being like, Hey, maybe call and check in, just make sure. <sighs> so, you know, I, I, get ready. I drive the 25 minutes there and I get there and she's like, Oh, um, they tried calling you and, you know, they had to cancel your appointment because your doctor just went on maternity leave. So we need to, you know, shift things around. And, and you know, and I didn't get a call or if they did, they didn't leave a voicemail, but I still was just like mad at myself because I was like, oh, if I'd even just listened to myself on Friday when I didn't get a confirmation, it would have saved me an hour out of my day of going and doing this, you know, at, when I, I just, I could have saved myself yeah. that. So there, it's even just moments like that where it's not hugely impactful with like a relationship, but that was my time and my effort and everything that if I had just listened and called to confirm hour of my day back, you so know, why do you think it is on something like that, that you didn't listen to your gut? I think partly just, you know, you're busy and, and you think, well, this is just, uh, you get in the mode of just doing things and I have all these other appointments and it, it's, it's probably fine. It's probably just me. I'm just, you know, I'm missing something or maybe they sent it and I didn't see mm. it or just, you know, Oh, I just don't have time. You know, I just, I don't listen to it and stop to, to just, uh, I'll confirm just to be, you know, safe. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. So I, I had that experience where I was like, dang it, <laughs> I should listen to myself. <laughs> um, but you know, I have others where, uh, you know, if I have, I don't know, not even really like a huge gut instinct, but just something that's like, you know, you need to, this is bothering you. You need to talk to, you know, your husband or your, this person about what's bothering you. Like yeah. it's, um, and being afraid to do that. Cause in the past that probably would have started a fight or, you know, ignited a, a very bad day. Um, and, but I've, I've been trying to listen to it more, even if it, if it means just taking a minute to kind of like think about how I want to bring it across or how I want to express it. Um, but just kind of listening and bringing it up of, of this is how I'm feeling or hey, it seems like you're a little off today. Is everything okay? Or, you know, what's going on? You seem tired, whatever it is. Um, and then it, it's turned into more of give and take where he's comfortable letting me know initially before I have to ask, or I'm more comfortable expressing something because I know that his reaction is going to be positive and supportive um, to where it's like, oh, okay, I'm safe to trust my gut. Um, even if it's a difficult conversation, now we're on the same page about something. And now I feel like my needs are being met, you know, or that he's understanding of something that's going on, you know, in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you something, but Please ask away. Oh, oh. Well, I, would, I was just going to say on that note of, um, I don't know, being more upfront about, hey, I just, I need to share this thing with my partner or with this individual. I think something that helps a lot, and Steph and I have just gone through this recently, <clears throat> went through, 
the roughest patch of our relationship earlier this year. Uh, for the first time for reals for reals in 10 years, we're like, all right, we're going to separate, you know, fully separate, get divorced. Um, it, it was pretty serious. And thankfully for both of us, it was a pretty big wake up call within about a week of, you know, um, realizing that's not the direction that we want to go and, and for good reasons. And we can get into that some other time. But um, in terms of what you were talking about, Sam, one of the things that I think was really helpful for us is that we, we sat down and we talked through like, what is it that our needs really are? What are our needs that might not be uh, getting met? Um, so that we're not just going back into it blindly of like, we'll just try harder and do better. Um, I think that historically in our relationship and, and currently with some of my other relationships that might not be going as smoothly, I just think like, I'll just try to be better about the thing that I know that annoys them. Or I don't know, I'll just try to be better about in general, instead of being very specific of like, hey, let me talk with this person and see what it is that they need from our relationship that I'm not delivering on. And I'll do this, you know, uh, hopefully they'll be willing to provide the same to me. What are they not providing to me, you know, that I really need? Um, and sometimes when you have just that explicit of a conversation and you set sort of those parameters and those ground rules, it's like it clears up a lot of stuff that you might not have realized before. But one of the one of my favorite things that came out of <clears throat> what we went through earlier this year, uh, Steph and I, was that, we had that conversation, what needs aren't being met. And then we were like, okay, like it's very clear that we need to not let stuff fester, which I think is very common. We sit on it. We don't bring it up. And it was, it was the weirdest thing for me. <laughs> All of a sudden, five times a day, you know, Steph is like, like hey, hey <laughs> buddy, <laughs> got something to tell Stop. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, was that Stewie Griffin over there? Who was that? Um, yeah, really though. It was just like, hey earlier you said this thing in this way you know and it was like 10 minutes ago it was great it was really soon after I would do whatever it was um and this is how I interpreted it I just wanted you to know and sometimes that's all that it was because it'd be a really small thing and I'd be like oh I'm, I'm sorry about that um I can see how you didn't feel that way and then we move on sometimes it turns into a much bigger conversation but what we found and I'd, I'd love your input af after this last note stuff is <clears throat> initially many of the things that we shared turned into big conversations because they were the types of things that we were either not ever bringing up uh, to each other of little things that would annoy us or little things that we just weren't being considered or whatever it might be. Um, but over time we had a lot of those bigger conversations better understood why those things bothered each other or were difficult for each other um, and adjusted our habits in a good way. You know, neither of us was expecting something from the other person that wasn't reasonable um, if we were, we'd make those adjustments in those conversations and the conversations got smoother and shorter and easier, uh, you know, with, within just a span of a month. I mean, I, I, I remember within a month getting to the point where I was like, I kind of missed having multiple times a day, these deep conversations about what was going on with us. So. I mean, to be fair though, there was also like years of buildup yeah. of, of stuff that was like reoccurring issues for us, um, or just just stuff that I had uh, pushed down because I didn't know how to express stuff that I needed from you. Uh, I just I've always been used to shouldering everyone's needs and stuffing down my own and like watching other relationships that did the same. So I didn't have good examples of maybe more functional relationships either. Uh, so I was just working off the the best model that I've witnessed, you know? Yeah. And so I really like after 
we decided to try to make things work again. That's when like we started talking about so much that it, it was like the the cork was popped off the bottle mm. and the pressure was released and I was like, oh my gosh, even like everything is so much easier now. I mean, it's still really fucking hard because I've got coping mechanisms and survival mechanisms that push me to respond to things in a certain way or feel scared to bring things up because I still have that like impending doom in the back of my mind of like, how's this person going to react? But it's just like the practice, like exposure therapy, basically, like the more you push yourself to do the scary thing and do the thing that's uncomfortable, the more you realize and prove to yourself like, oh, this is actually is not as scary and I can trust this person. Not that I didn't trust you or didn't like know that you were a safe person to come to, but I think that we just had not really reached that like level of maturity between us where, um, like as far as like our communication went until recently that like I really had the, the undeniable proof of that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Something more. A great, oh, well, unless you have, I was going to say a great segue into that podcast because it talks about your managers and your, Mm. and the, yeah, Uh. yeah. And it was like literally today that I was like, um, I'm going to express my needs, babe. And he was like, what do you need? <laughs> I'm like, this is scary because I think that you're going to reject me and not love me anymore. <laughs> my value will decrease when I ask you to change this diaper. Like, no, just, but pretty, yeah, that's pretty much like, yeah. So as we get into that, one thing that I was going to say, and I do think that's a good segue is I, I think one thing that I've had to relearn, I, I had initially a, a just solid foundation with this as a kid because I just was really confident, just didn't give a shit what other people thought genuinely. And now I care more what people think as an adult, unfortunately, than I did as a kid. But is that you have to accept like I'm going to do what makes me happy as long as I'm not hurting other people. But that comes knowing that some people might not react well to what my needs are, right? So if you're like, I'm going to express my needs I've done my best to self-check, make sure I'm being reasonable. I'm not asking anything that is unreasonable, you know, or anything like that. And the person reacts really poorly. You have to like learn to really steel yourself against that and not let that just teach you that, oh, I shouldn't express my needs because somebody will react poorly and then I'll feel like shit. Instead, you have to be like, you have to have this sort of, I don't know, I think of like, I think of you, Sam, honestly, like um, in high school, you were like a protector for me and it was amazing. Um but I just think about you that you were just like, you had this like strange confidence where you're just like, I don't give a shit. I know what's right and I'm going to do what's right, especially when it came to protecting other people for sure. Um, and you kind of have to adopt that a little bit of, but like, I'm going to protect myself. Like I know that if I don't express this, things will get worse for me. Um, and, and in the long run it will be good. And if somebody's like mad that you're doing your best to you know protect yourself and take good care of yourself and they don't actually understand and appreciate that you're doing that in parts that you can be a better companion to them and you know whatever the nature of your relationship is then i don't know help them try to understand that but if they can't get there move on right because that's where like that whole you know north star of happiness being it should be everybody's end goal comes in for me is i'm just like i want i want to take everybody up with me when i'm going up and i want to drag people down as little as possible when i'm going down but at the end of the day i can't lift people up if i'm just i'm on my way down and i'm trying to lift other people up at the same time you know yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I told Kevin today. It was like, I, I realized that you can't 
meet my needs or help me if I don't tell you what they are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Where's I mean, my sound effects? I need my wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had that exact same experience once we started really like getting in and, and like I was able to be more vulnerable. I was like, oh, I realized that like, I don't know. I was just like had this fantasy where I was hoping that you could read my mind or that like if I glared at you long enough, you would be able to like read my brain waves and that be like, oh, lot. Steph needs a hug right now. <laughs> or well, I'm she really, looks like a terrifying like, porcupine. Yeah, I'm like just, I don't know, lasers darting from my eyes mm-hmm. at Dave being like, I want you to take the garbage out. I want to do it this time. <laughs> something else, usually something really fucking stupid. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and then once I started asking for things, surprise, surprise, I like that continued to build the trust as well. Because it was like, I can ask you for things and you will help me or you will take them into consideration and you care about stuff that I need um, that I have like either had to shoulder by myself or just shove away for a long time. So yeah, yeah. it sounds like for you, Sam, that's a relatively new thing that you're trying to work through. Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was a lot of what we discovered in my therapy session yesterday is that I I use my managers and my babysitters, which... um, Yeah, go ahead and give us a... Yeah, okay, so there's kind of a... It's a theory uh, from Dr. Richard Schwartz from the 1980s, um, kind of based on attachment theory, but it's your internal family system. Internal, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I, I know it's IFS, um, but I also thought it was EDMR. So we're, we're just, you know. we're getting our acronyms yeah. correct yes. today. Yes, we're going to do it. Um, but so, you you know, it, regardless of whether you have trauma or not, he kind of says you're, you're born this way, but your trauma definitely makes all this worse. But you have these different parts of yourself um, and they kind of break into three pieces where you have your exiles, which are those emotions that are usually childlike, creative sensitive soft so it's your um you know but it's the it's the emotions that also hurt so it's your grief it's feeling unlovable it's that anger it's rejection it's those you know the things that you don't want to feel they're painful Mm. um and you develop these managers to keep those emotions exiled uh they take care of things day to day They, they protect you they try to control the environment. They try to look ahead at the future and, and control things so that you're, you're not feeling those vulnerable, painful, um, but necessary emotions. You know, if you're not feeling the lows, you're not feeling the highs and vice versa. Um, and within your managers, you know, you can develop perfectionism, which I definitely did. Um, from religion and uh, you could numb a lot of those emotions um, but you also can develop kind of this babysitter thing where you're going to take care of everybody else and not not do that and yourself you're going to take care of everybody else and your needs don't matter you don't have needs as far as you're concerned you know you you, it's fine you're going to be up with the baby all night you're going to take care of the baby during the day or work or do whatever you're going to do the dishes you're going to do the bills like you're going to try to do everything and make sure that everybody else is happy content they're safe um with complete disregard to your own needs and that is very heavily where i sit um i am a people pleaser i try to juggle pleasing family and my spouse um and you know just just 
I will sacrifice whatever I need to of myself to make sure that they're happy, they're doing what they want, um, regardless of how tired I am. Um, I'm just, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure they're happy and I'm going to shove down all of those exile emotions. Um, but partly I, I do those things because I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of expressing my needs and not having them met, which has happened before where I even had, a, you know, my ex where he like, okay, well tell me what you need and, you know, I'll do that. And then when I express, okay, well, this is what I need. Just like, I'm going to just finally tell you, like, this is what I need from you. It's like, well, I I'd do that for you. If you do this for me, if I was happy first, I'd do it for you. Additional. And so that's yeah. where, yeah. So I learned like sharing my needs, they're not going to be met. They're going to come with stipulations of, well, you'll get that when I get mine. And, and the things that he needed were things I couldn't do or give because that just wasn't me or I was trying so hard, you know, to do everything I could and it just was never enough, yeah. you know? So I, I, I feel like I, if I can be super mom and super woman and super employee, then it'll be enough, you know, I'll be good enough. And, um, but I always feel not good enough. Which all that um, is based off of looking at like external expectations of yourself mm -hmm. instead of your own personal expectations mm -hmm. of yourself. Right. Yeah. But you like, can't why control, am I not good enough? Manage. Yeah. For myself, like why? It, and so it, it, that was kind of what we hit on yesterday and it was, um, a really surprisingly emotional session for me because I realized like my needs aren't met and it's not that I'm not happy, but I haven't expressed my needs to have them met. And I don't speak up when I need something. Um, and for my partner, for my, you know, for Kevin, for my husband, you know, he feels like it's like, you know, I, I am your partner. I'm here to, to be that other half and to fulfill those things. And so, you know, if you tell me, I'm happy to do them, but I, I can't if you don't tell me, you know, and then in my dreams, it's always like me alone battling the snake or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, or he's just like, where am I? Like, am I next to you? Like, am where, I the snake? Yeah, where are my tights and like cape, you know, like, why can't I be next to you? Like fighting these things, like, do you not, you know, trust me to, to have your back? And it's like, it's not that I just haven't for so long that you know, even being in a safe place now, it's hard for me to say I need this because I'm afraid that decreases my value. If I can't do it all, yeah. what good am I? You know, and so I, I, but it, it, it helps me when I can say, well, this is my need. And then he does it. And then he does it again and again, you know, like, oh, mm. I hate when the dishes pile up and he does them again and again. It's not a one time mm. thing where I'm like, oh, <gasps> Look how yeah. clean my, you know, my kitchen is. And it's, it takes a load off of me that before I would have just, all right, I'll just get up extra early tomorrow and do it, you know? But now it's like, oh no, I actually have somebody that's in it with me and fulfilling these needs, whatever it is. Getting up at 11 last night to make me mac and cheese because I was emotional, you know? <laughs> just You just have those things that are just little things, but those are things that are my finding Lola where I'm starting to like have that happiness fulfilled and feel that purpose and feel like those little things are what are feeding my soul now. And it's not my achievement and my money and my car or anything else. It's, um, or accolades from anything. It's those day to day, you know, moments that just feel so good, you know, and the more that I say, well, this is what I need, or, or what do you think about this? What if we did this? And we just have a, a conversation and a discussion and, and I 
can get his opinion and it's, um, it doesn't turn into a fight or come, you know, there's no backlash. It's like a true partnership. And, and so it's different for me. And it, so it's been emotional for both of those reasons of just realizing, God, my knees have, have not been met for so long, but holy crap, like I'm here where I can have those needs met, you know? The funny thing is, and then I want to get Steph's take on that because there was so much that we relate <laughs> to there. <laughs> um, it's just that the irony is previous, your previous state of mind is if I take care of all this stuff, then, you know, my, my partner will be happy. And to be fair, your previous partner, that probably was more so the case, like just shut up and just do all the things that I don't want to do. And then maybe you'll be okay for me today. Mm -hmm. Whereas a true partnership, just like you said, like Kevin, your partner, he's like, where am I in this story? Cause I want to be a part of you fighting your battles, whether it's in your dreams or in real life. Um, I think that was Steph and I for, I don't know how long, you know, was like, <clears throat> I was constantly trying to pull her needs from her or other things from her. Cause I, I am very codependent and I'm very, I don't like to do hardly anything by myself. And I, I like to get other people's input on things. I don't, for the most part, I, I, I like to at least bounce my ideas off of somebody before I make a big decision or anything. Um, whereas your learned response and behavior stuff was, uh, just, you know, whatever they want to do and just be quiet in the background. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, would you agree that was kind of our experience until recently? Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think of, well, I was like listening so intently to what you were saying that I like forgot my own train of thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I just was, I've for so long had to do everything by myself and it almost like became a source of pride in a way, mm. but also I could still feel myself in, in moments where like maybe I needed to ask something of you, um, where I, I wanted to, or, or I would just do something anyway and start feeling resentment for it, mm. which isn't fair to you either because you don't even have any idea that I could use your help or, you know, want to bring something up with you. Uh, I have like this very, I had this very push and pull thing happening where like I had all these ideas and ways that I wanted to connect with you, whether it was like bringing up something that might've been conflict or even something that might've been fun that I thought would be like enhance our relationship. But I would, I would have the pull the other way where I was scared to bring that up because I was scared of maybe you not being as excited as me or rejecting the idea or, you know, imposing old scenarios onto you both like from how I was feeling. But then I, I feel like I would also do that to you where like I couldn't get excited with you about things because yep. people couldn't be, ex I couldn't like bring other people into my excitement. So like it, it was like a big threatening emotion. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but like it was this like double-edged sword. Like every, every time I tried to do something, there was like some backlash because I didn't, um, I didn't have those skills. And I also like a lot of the time didn't know what I needed because I think I shoved it down for so long that even if you asked me directly, even like a year or two ago, you're like, what do you need? I'll, I'll do whatever you need, mm -hmm. like to make you feel more fulfilled in this relationship. My mind would be blank. Cause I, mm -hmm. that was all inaccessible to me until we kind of broke open 
you know, everything that we've been working on for the last few months. Yeah. And, and suddenly all of that's flooding back. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can access some of this now and I can trust you because I am starting to like re, um, I don't know, make those new pathways in my brain of like, this is safe. I can do this. I can be vulnerable, et cetera. And so it's also safe to think of what I need because I might actually be able to ask for it and, and get that fulfilled. Yeah. So those are two like very different issues of <clears throat> having no idea what it is you need versus knowing what you need and not feeling safe or comfortable to share that with somebody. Um, and I think, I think one probably comes before the other for sure. Like if, if you are talking to somebody who, you know, is just going to shut down or reject anything you say, your brain probably isn't even going to bother coming up with ways that you, you could improve things with well, them. You tell yourself, I don't, I don't have needs. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. I don't have needs. I'm fine. I got this. Yeah. And I, I think that there were situations that you and I got into stuff where your, your brain, like uh, on specific issues that your brain was doing that, where it was just like, I like, and to be fair, I used to be much more aggressive in terms of how I was much more of a debater, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't leave very much open space for the person I was talking to, to share their ideas, especially if I felt like I had thought about a topic a lot and had a pretty good idea of, you know, I had a pretty good handle on it. Um, something that you helped me learn and other people have helped me learn. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's like your brain won't even go to the point of what do I need here? Because like you were saying, Sam, it's just like, I'm not going to get anything out of it. So I may as well just have no needs. And so asking somebody, what do they need? No point. But yeah, once you, once you do know what it is that you need, you know, it's a two way street for sure. The other person needs to respond well, because you will develop a learned reaction if you share a need with them and they shut you down or if they make it conditional, I need this, which a lot of like some needs are conditional for sure. Like if, if you need me to do something and in order for me to do that, I like, I literally need your help with it. I can't pick this thing up without you. It's like, okay, that's, that's fair. But Outside of that, it's it's all in just how you handle it. Like if somebody comes across really aggressive and reacting to your needs or, you know, just like how your ex would, I'm sure, Sam, it's like even just the emotion that gets charged in that situation is going to make you not want to talk about it. Yeah. Or, I mean, especially for my, you know, my husband, like he's so good and he's so genuine. So I don't want to make him feel bad. I don't want to say like, hey, I need this and make him feel like oh, I wasn't giving that to you. Like I, I you know, I thought I was, I'm so sorry. So we've talked about like, how can I ask for something? Um, so that, you know, it's not that you're not doing something or you are doing something wrong. Um, it's just a need that has kind of come up that I need to express, or, you know, maybe I haven't. Um, and so he's told me, you know, this is how I, I like, you can tell me this way and I'll know that you're just asking rather than being passive aggressive or, mm. you know, adding this to the end of it that makes me feel like, Oh geez, did I, you know, do something or why are you mad at me? And, and so that's helped me understand how, how I can communicate with him um, in a way that is positive. And so I can express my need knowing I'm not going to hurt his feelings. I'm not going to make him feel like I felt, you know, in my relationship, um, which then makes that space even more safe, you know, for, for me and for him. Um, and then he knows that he can, you know, here's how I need you to come to me if you need something and, and how I'll take it if you, you know, come to me this way. Yeah. We've gone through a lot of that too. Yep. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try a random effect here and just see, I don't know. 
Oh, wait, I got to turn up. Oh. Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's this one? Uh, that's in response to Sam. Let's give Sam a... Stop, stop. Stop for a long time. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I, I want to make sure that we talk through this podcast because... So this... Do you guys know the name of it? And can we give some cred? You guys know? Yeah, the podcast is called Emancipate Your Mind. Yes. And the host her name is terry hales she it's weird i think we knew a terry hales mm. in alpine yes. growing yes, up we did. Uh, might have to double check on that i think she's it's too young to same. be yeah, yeah not the yeah. same but she she was mormon for you know a good portion of her life and she's now like a, a certified religious trauma recovery coach or something like that yeah um yeah it's her, the whole podcast like every episode i've listened to is amazing so there's a lot of a lot of good information in there. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's good for those coming from because you know it's based on high demand religion, but there are pieces there that help anybody from trauma. Yeah, but it's also helped um, you know like Kevin listened to the the episode today and it helped him understand me better. Where I was like, okay, like the managers, the babysitter, all that stuff that she was talking about, and like these exiles, mine are anger and fear, you know. And it's like so all these things, and then you know, so then he could ask me questions like, do you still feel you know guilt and shame with things? And I could say yes, like it, you know, it shifts from religion to my ex and how he controlled me, and you know, and so I still, if I do this or if I ask for this, I feel guilty, and um, so it, it's helped open a lot of conversation between us and understanding, you know, too. So. Yeah, I think it's valuable for both sides, really, whether you come from a high-demand religion or not. You touched on exactly what I was going to say, which is Steph shared the podcast with me, and my listening to it, admittedly, was I was just like, I want to be able to have a conversation with Steph about it, but I don't think this is really something that is going to be that beneficial to me. I don't like, I don't need this kind of a thing. And then <clears throat> in listening through it, I think the thing that stood out to me the most, I made some notes, I'll have to pull them up, it's just that, like, the exiles part of it, like, I, I was a crazy kid. I had way too much energy. Like, even now, our parents will just be like, oh, my God, you were a lot to handle at, like, every stage of life. Until junior year, <laughs> Steph's laughing. Still. Like, still. Until now. But now it's but in it's spurts. my responsibility. It, it used to be 24-7. Now it, it, you know, it comes in waves. That's true. So, <clears throat> but, uh, and then junior year of high school, I get depression the, the biggest impact that had on me, I would say, from just like a physiological perspective um, and in reference to what we're talking about now, is just my energy level. It killed my energy. So uh, initially it was sleeping an insane amount per day, and that was not enough to then, as I got older, sleeping really poorly and having to learn to manage that. Anyways, um, point being was that <clears throat> all growing up, you know, understandably teachers and adults would be like, calm down. Stop getting so excited about stuff, et cetera. And in my like younger ages, I just didn't care. I was just like, I, I calmed down enough to make sure that I didn't get kicked out of class and didn't have to deal with, you know, repercussions. But as I got older, even even despite my more tempered energy level and personality because of my depression, um, you know, at work and through other, I don't know, social situations where my energy or my excitement about things was per like perceived negatively. I have certainly learned to temper my reactions to things, even if I am just like, oh my God, I'm so excited about this thing. It's Which, by the way, <clears throat> that feeling is one of the most like pure, natural, just raw, like it's wonderful feelings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like, 
why am I tempering that? And it's, it's because I've had countless people be like, God, calm down. And like, I get it. There's, there's a certain point where I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs about an Amazon package that shows up. I'm like, Oh my God, it's fucking Christmas. Like too much. If that's every day. Um, but at the same time, I think, and I don't know stuff I'm curious to put on this because you've had to deal with all of my nonsense, but like you have to be mindful of this is annoying to me, but do I want to create a learned response from this person that is don't, don't allow this exiled emotion getting back to the podcast of excitement over things to bubble up or would I, would I prefer this person to be a little bit over the top sometimes if it means that, you know, I, I can draw some energy from that and some excitement from that. What do you want my input input on? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on that in general. I'm I'm sure that that's not the type of exile emotion that you really like. Like, are there moments that like you know to? he's he's doing this thing where you just kind of uh, we have a phrase, Kevin and I, and it's mm-hmm. I chose this. So if one of us <laughs> is doing like the weird, the you know quirky, like if I'm over there just being uh, weird with Franklin, he just kind of you know goes like oh, I chose this, you know, like whatever you are and that weird childlike playful thing you're doing right now i'm not going to tell you to what are you you're doing that again you're so dumb or that's such a stupid mm. voice yeah. but it's just like all right i chose this it's yeah. my, that's my nut you know <laughs> <laughs> um i mean it, it's not very like super common anymore that you get like that excitable but the the biggest this adulthood has crushed me yeah oh. you're just dead inside now hmm. oh well <laughs> no um i think the biggest uh scenario is like concerts you get you turn into a crazy animal sometimes a different person i tell people that they don't believe me yeah it's like a little bit much sometimes but also like i yeah i kind of just like step aside and and let you go let you go crazy and and have fun and make your experience instead of yeah it's an appropriate venue for it so there's no reason to be like hey you need to calm down yeah but there's still like a part of me that like I, I'm not, I can't ac- access that side of my excitement or that level of excitement yet, maybe in the future. I, I feel like my responses to that though, again, are like based on my own limitations. And I think that's actually the case for a lot of mm. people of like, they're uncomfortable with this emotion. They are uncomfortable with this you know, they, they can't access that themselves. And so they feel threatened by it or they just feel overwhelmed. And so the best way to kind of go about that is to just shut someone or like not the best way, but like the reactionary way is to shut yeah. someone down, uh, which I know is what I tend to do. And so it, it's something that I've had to learn to temper. And if I do have, if I do need you to like tone it down a little bit, like learning a tactful way to go about that rather right. than just being like, bitchy yeah. about it yeah and I, I think because we encounter people who are not being authentic in their expression then that also makes us more quick to be like this is annoying because if somebody's just being crazy and you can tell that you're like you don't really feel that you're just trying to get attention or something it, it, it feels kind of gross and you're just like ugh, you know but when somebody's like really in the zone you know and they're not hurting anybody or getting in somebody's way or something it's like I might feel uncomfortable just like you said of like, man, I wish I could get there and I can't, but if it's authentic, I'm like, I should probably just get out of their way. Just <laughs> yeah. Kind of ride I this mean, out. Moments like that where, where maybe you like have a big emotion that I am not so comfortable with. Even if I am uncomfortable, I still 
like have admiration for it because I wish I could be more that way. And so it's like, that's something that at the end of the day, I, I like about you, even if it's hard for me to like relax around it. That's not your fault. It's not you. It's, it's me. It's your childhood trauma. I know. <laughs> I broke it's it. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like therapy to, to really show you just how fucked up you are. <laughs> like every time I come out, I'm like, Damn, she. That, that's going to be the opening to this episode. Like I come home and I'm like, I can't believe you married me. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay, so I, I'd love to hear from either of you just more of that episode, your firefighters, your managers. I know both of you have a lot of thoughts on your own sure. personal ones. and. Um, yeah, I just I want to just touch on the structure of internal family systems just a little bit more just to round out so there's context to everything we talked yeah. about. So there's the, there's the three parts um, and the, that are the exiles, the managers, and the firefighters. And those three parts are not really like your true self because at the center of all of that is your true self, which is like a calm, curious, collected, you know, you're like your sense of self underneath all of this. Like Gandalf is deep in there, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, old yeah. wise, <laughs> powerful. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, all, all of the other parts are your exiles like we talked about the the things that you've learned in some way or another are not acceptable or are too painful and so you have your managers that try to keep you in every way possible from any of that bubbling up and then inevitably because you cannot control everything in your life and you know there's always going to be something that's unexpected or just overwhelm your exiles will break through eventually and then that's when your firefighters come in and firefighters usually come in like the suit of a, an addiction typically mm. so drugs alcohol shopping um you know what have you yeah sex uh, sex like something that's that will help kind of like drown bury or or smother that emotion or the exile that's that is has been ripped up from yeah. wherever you put it and, and you can't handle that cause you don't have the coping mechanisms. So you try to douse it with whatever your vice is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely like, as far as like protectors go, I think that I'm very much in kind of the, I definitely have perf perfection, perfectionism tendencies. I feel like if I, can do everything perfectly, then I will be acceptable. And this kind of goes back to stuff that I talked about on the previous podcast where I was talking about my EMDR, EMDR therapy and like getting to that core wound of like feeling like, am I good enough? And a lot of that being tied into like, am I capable? Am I smart? Um, am I disappointing people around me? And so if, if I don't ever stumble and if I am always if I if I at least like look perfect and I look capable and I, I do everything in my power to be whatever the concept of perfect is in my mind because that's not like there's no everybody's perfect is different that's what's like kind of a mind fuck is like you try to be perfect but what does that even mean it's like saying like I'm gonna be normal what's normal mm -hmm. you know um but whatever, whatever that is, that expectation that I put on myself, I try to 
you know, nail that constantly because that will keep feelings of shame being dredged up or inadequacy or insecurity. Which is like the manager role, right? And this, this idea, it's like, yeah, control things, protect things and yeah, very Um, strong with you. So like, yeah, perfectionism. And, and I think, didn't she say that there was like a, a controller one that was maybe your controller perfectionist and babysitter? Yeah. So like I have I have a a big part of me that is a controller as well. Like I try to create routines and and try to create certainty. I do lots of researching. I want to know as much as possible because the more I know, the more I can prepare for. You won't be surprised or caught off guard. Yeah. 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 Avoid, <laughs> like avoid feeling dumb because if I know as much as possible. I'll usually have the answer and I won't feel dumb and I won't feel, which would then trigger me feeling insecure. And then that core wound of like, I'm not good enough crops up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll try to like, I don't know, like y- Dave, you probably have witnessed these things happening, like me trying to control things or, or be overly perfect. I don't know if you have an outsider's, point of view of that well the thing that has always been hard for me is that i i try to anticipate things that could go wrong most people do so say you're planning a vacation you're like okay are we well prepared for this do we have the shoes we need do we have whatever we need to pack or whatever um that that makes sense that's logical but where you and i would deviate is like you try to anticipate a whole much broader breadth of you know, situations that could come up that would make you feel exposed in some way. Whereas for me, it's much easier for me to roll with the punches. Like, okay, I I know that if this thing happens, if the car that we're, you know, driving there with runs out of gas, like, I, like, it's not going to be the end all of our, I don't need to, my brain doesn't even think about that because it's just like, we'll figure it out. And I'm much more comfortable in that space of we'll figure it out. Um, And my planning is much less focused on any, like personal, um, uh, what's the word, like perception, Mm -hmm. how people perceive me in that moment or anything like that. It's much more about how can I maximize the experience? It's a much more selfish perspective that I take, uh, which lines up with what you guys have been talking about, um, where it's like, I need to, you guys are like, I need to do everything for everybody else. And I'm like, how can I maximize the fun that I get out of this for myself? Which I think anybody who knows me would agree with that. And I was just telling Steph the other day, I'm very selfish in a lot of ways. Um, And part of listening to this podcast for me that was really interesting was identifying that like, I don't have strong managers and I don't have some of these things that certainly you do. Um, But yeah, you, you certainly do. And it's, it's been interesting to try to navigate that. Yeah. Sam, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear from your side of things, listening to this podcast and just in general with your therapy, like how this has really applied to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm an epic, epic manager. <laughs> um, I don't even need my firefighters most of the time. <laughs> I'm just a stone cold manager. Um, yeah. Even like yesterday at the end, I was like, whew, man, I was feeling pretty emotional today. And she's like, I didn't even notice. She's like, I can't tell with you. Like, don't worry. Give me some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what's interesting for me is even my manager comes out, even the the littlest of ways, like Kevin will just be wanting to commiserate with me as his partner of like, Oh man, he just keeps screaming every time we put him down for a nap lately. I don't know what the deal is. 
And my mind's like, maybe we need to look at his nap schedule. I wonder if maybe like we could give him a little bit more of his, you know, formula right before, see if that puts him down. Maybe we need to switch it, you know. And he's like, no, I'm not asking for advice or help. Just commiserate with me, you know, <laughs> like that it's hard. Like that's it. And but my brain just goes, oh, action mode. And even in therapy at the end, I'm like, okay, so give me my list of things. Like, what can I do? How do I fix this? And she's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> Um, but so, so something interesting though, we've, uh, you kind of mentioned about how kind of relating back to your, your gut, your intuition, but your subconscious kind of knows things. So as controlled and managed as I am, um, that doesn't mean those exiles aren't there. And so for me, they come out in my dreams and I'm a vivid dreamer. I dream every night and I remember my dreams and I wake up often. So I'll have multiple dreams, you know, that I remember. And so we've started kind of just looking at the pattern of, you know, where's the location of most of my dreams, which it's usually in Pleasant Grove, which is our hometown. And so that's probably the root of a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of fear and like grief that come out in my dreams. So while I'm suppressing all of that in my day-to-day with my managers and they're not bubbling up into like these moments where my firefighters need to come in and and douse other than after therapy when then I do buy more blankets from Target (laughs) or I eat a lot of pancakes or something. Um, (laughs) Other than that, um, you know, those those firefighters, they they don't come up. Um, But so my dreams are where those where they're coming through saying like, Hey, we're here. You're not recognizing us. You're not acknowledging us. You're not taking care of us, mm-hmm. um, or doing what you need to process us, but we're here. You wow. know, That's um, deep, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that your firefighters come out in a unconscious state is like real suppression. <laughs> yeah. Like those exiles are like, they're literally like in my dreams. I like, get us out. Yeah. yeah. Like, no the little boogeyman. Yeah. I wake like, up Hello. and I'm like, get back Hello. down there. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm awake, I'm like, get out, <laughs> but I'm asleep. And then they're like, ha, she's unconscious. Let's get her, <laughs> get her, yeah, we're out. get we're her out. boys. We're free. We're free. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I've, th- that's usually my notes, you know, for the next week of like, whoo, dreams are I'm angry I've got some anger in there that's not Mm. you know coming out and we'll kind of talk about you know what that is but um yeah so I mean that's how that manifests for me because I'm so I try to be so controlled day to day I just have to that's my survival so I mean from your perspective um what's your plan for addressing that you know is it something where are you are you all in on I know that I need to um, revisit how my managers play a role and be open to my firefighters coming out when I'm awake because it's it's okay that things go wrong um, and learning to accept that or are you feeling resistant towards like I want to it's hard for me to give up my perfectionist tendencies and some of those things um, I mean it is hard but I I am at a point where um, you know, I want to shift things for this next rest part of my life, basically. You know, I have the start of my family and yeah. and everything where I want to be very emotionally available. I want to be able to display authentic emotions to my kids so that they know that they're safe, you know, expressing them. Um, and I've been on a couple of different medications that tend to just suppress. I mean, obviously, like antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds do that. Um, and I made the decision 
a little over a week ago to kind of wean myself off of that and not take them and try to just work through therapy and continue running and trying to, you know, do other methods to um, keep my spirits up, but, um, you know, without the medication, but partly because I am already pretty controlled and, Mm -hmm. and suppressed that I don't want anything else suppressing those emotions and so really like yesterday in therapy was the first time I felt those emotions bubbling up Mm. as we were talking and then just cried like the rest of the day when I got (laughs) home you know my own safe space in bed and and just cried and um and so I I, you know I want to allow myself to process these difficult pieces and feel those exiles and allow them to kind of reemerge and know that they're safe and find those appropriate times to let them out um, and really work, you know, with my therapist on, on how to do that, um, which is going to be a lot more deep diving into those fundamental beliefs of, you know, the world is not safe or relationships are not safe or I'm not good enough. And, and, you know, how can I get to the root of those? So I understand and I can talk to myself at that age to heal a lot of, that trauma so that moving forward, you know, those are safe emotions for me that it's still okay to feel those. Um, it's okay to express my needs. It's okay to ask for help, um, versus just being a babysitter or, you know, a perfectionist or controller for everybody else. Um, because I know that ultimately doing that, I'm going to be happier every time I'm able to ask my partner for something and he fulfills it. Like, cool, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know that I could have a relationship like this. I didn't know I could have somebody who wanted to do things for me to make me happy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in. That's good. You know, it sucks and it's hard, but I'm all in. Yeah. One of the things that somebody listened to a previous podcast was asking about, based on Steph's experience, was like, you know, you talking about your childhood and growing up and parent-teacher conference, that memory, and just in general, um, not feeling like your parents gave you a lot of, like, space to express your thoughts and opinions and really listen to them or just really have somebody that did listen to them and those types of things. You know, he was asking, like, I, you know, he's like, I'd be curious to talk to Steph about, um, you know, as a parent himself, what he could do to try to provide that for his child. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that question and, probably not the best person to answer it, but just as far as my own thoughts on it go, what I want, even as an adult, not even looking at just like a parent to child relationship, but just like you, you know, with your significant other, Sam, or any other relationship, you want somebody who, you know, will never just shut you down, you know, too quickly for an idea. Um, They won't invalidate your emotions. Um, But those things are the types of things that I think we like read about and we hear about blah, blah, blah. But the thing that has really struck me about people that I gravitate towards and communicating with them is they ask me a lot of questions and then they like, I can tell they're really listening and they sit and think about my answers. And it makes me feel like, Oh, like you're actually interested in what I have to say. And in, I end up getting everything out of my system. And oftentimes even as talkative as I can be, I, I really don't do that. And then I find myself wanting to ask them about themselves. And it's such a healthier back and forth. It's something that really doesn't happen much outside of like landlocked, this thing that we do where a bunch of us nerds get together and go to a house and play games and drink alcohol and bond for like three, five days at a time. Um, but yeah, it's like when you have somebody who's sitting there and they're just asking you deeper and deeper questions and 
you know, therapy is great, but you're paying somebody to do that. But when it's somebody that's just doing it because they, they want to understand really how you feel about something, I mean, that does something different for you, you know. And I, I feel like as a parent, if you have, or if, as a child, if you have a parent or as a spouse, you know, and your, your partner is really doing that with you, you feel like, man, they really value what I'm thinking and what my needs are and stuff. But if they're, and I'm very guilty of this, if they're asking you a question, anticipating your answer to set you up for that's not right, you know, this is actually the right answer all the time. Why should you give them anything, you know, or ask for anything? Did you want me to build on that? Sure. Anybody. (laughs) Um, I just wasn't sure if you were actually wanting to ask me that, like have me, just throwing he it out there. He doesn't care what you think, actually. <laughs> yeah. just I was actually setting you it. up for... <laughs> Fuck. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like what you were saying of, like, I feel like a lot of the things that you'd want as an adult, you, like, would probably want as a kid, too, just, like, at kid level, of course. Like, you're not going to actually talk to a kid like they're an adult. Um, but, yeah, just um, feeling, one, like, having a like calm reaction to whatever it is like even if like I feel like one thing that was really challenging and confusing for me as a kid was that like I didn't know which way my parents were going to go like I didn't know if I would be listened to and and if they would like take that time to really think and and respond in a way that was like I want to help you understand what you're feeling and also like help you work through this and why this is okay or not okay or if it was just gonna be like you know you're a dumb kid (laughs) feeling you you fucking idiot no (laughs) my parents would never say that um you know just getting getting angry because maybe they were they were frustrated or had a long day and they were not able to put that under wraps and be the adult in the situation that like the calm presence that i needed to you know understand what I was feeling or or you know if I did have something that I was interested in or excited about bringing that to them and even if they don't understand it it's just like a friend like your friends aren't all gonna like the same things you are but that doesn't mean you can't like enjoy it with them because they like it like feel some of their joy because it's something that makes them happy or sparks their interest yeah um it was like I mean, I, I don't know. I have still pretty vague senses of like what I liked as a kid, but I liked some conventional stuff. I liked, you know, dolls, Barbies. I liked playing dress up and all that crap, but I also kind of liked some weird stuff. I liked creepy stuff. I liked Nightmare Before Christmas and vampires. And I got into, you know, like rock music when I was in like fifth grade. And I felt like I would get teased and therefore judged for a lot of things that I liked Mm -hmm. so you know just reinforcing that like there's just things that maybe are not except like safe to share and it might seem like an innocent thing but like I think just being curious as a parent and viewing your child as like they're a miniature person they're gonna be a big person one day yeah (laughs) and so like just just view them as a human being and like, you know, talk to them as you'd want to be talked to as your kid self, I think maybe. Yeah. I I just feel like after re-listening to 
the last conversation that we had, Steph, that a lot of what I came away from was an adult in a position, you know, like in a relationship position that you cared about. So a parent, you know, or a teacher or something that just asked what you were interested in and then listened and then was like, oh, why are you interested in that? And just ask questions and just listen and not, like you said, not pass any judgment on what it was or anything like that. And even if they weren't like, that's the coolest thing ever, or they were into it, like you said, just somebody who was like, it's okay that you like that. And obviously with things that are probably okay to get super into, but yeah, I, I feel like I had that as a kid, um, either from my friends or from, I was the youngest too. So I had a lot more people, I think that were older than me that I got exposed to that either just like didn't really care. And they just thought it was amusing that I was into something or, you know, I had pretty normal interests. And so it, I, I didn't miss out on that validation, but if I had, like, that would have had a, bit, a big impact on me for sure. Well, should we wrap this bitch up? Amen. Amen. There it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. This is like, this was fun. The, la- the first podcast you and I did, Sam, I was like, just. We were both like nervous. And yeah, what why? are we doing? So dumb. I'm sharing my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one was fun. This like I think so after after that podcast, I was stressed because I couldn't like get the audio right, and but there was other stuff to it too. I was like, maybe I'm gonna be nervous like this all the time, and then mm-hmm. and then after ours, for some reason, I was really excited. I felt like it went really well, and then I got really depressed. I don't know why. I couldn't figure it out. I'm sure part of it was just that I was tired, but I think there's something more to it. Um, but this one, I'm like. This was fun. This is like, this is what I was originally talking about with wanting to do this of like, this is therapy for me. And I like, I could bring new people in right now and do it again. You know, it's not exhausting. It's energizing, which like not being a hyper extrovert anymore. Like I used to be, it's rare that like social interactions energize me now. Yeah. But every once in a while when they do, it's like, that. that's the cocaine that feels good for me. 